1 Corinthians 15. I just want to concur what uh, Brother Kevin said this morning. We welcome you. We welcome our visitors. We're just honored that you're here this morning. And I'm thankful, amen, uh, for the people of God that have come out. We had a good crowd in our 9 o'clock service. And and uh, I'm thankful for what God is doing around here, amen. And uh, God's good. His grace is sufficient. Uh, and I, I, I just love him this morning. And I'm thankful to see all your smiling faces. And, but we welcome our visitors. And I'm looking forward to lunch. Amen. You don't have to go very far. And it's free 99. And usually things that are free are not always good. But this is good free 99. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I was thinking the other day, I'm hungry. You know, I just wanted something special. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go to the Scaris for lunch. and I'm going to surprise them. Well, I got surprised when I pulled up on the parking lot. They were closed. <laughs> but you know what? That's all right. I'm a person that forgives. I don't hold grudges. <sighs> but I'm thankful today for this family. We love them. And watch this. God has just done something wonderful in their family. Amen. But uh, I want to pray over the word and then we'll get right into it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for the privilege and honor to come to be here in this company of people. Lord, what an honor, what a privilege to be here to worship you, Lord, and that we've gathered together in your name. And uh, when two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. We felt you in worship. We felt you the first service. Lord, just beautiful all day, just serving you. And we thank you that you've come by and visited us. Lord, I pray as we come to open up the word of God that you will minister to each and every person that's here. And Lord, help us today to glean from your word because you want us to be better. You want us to grow. You want us to be consistent in our lives. And God, we must be hearing the word of God to be consistent. It, what, it's what gives us uh, continued faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Lord, I just pray today that you will bless this service, bless this time in the word, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've entitled this today, Therefore, Be Ye Steadfast. Be Ye Steadfast. And I'm preaching this thought because uh, a lot of times we always hear during the resurrection week, you know, uh, Jesus died on Friday and it was a dark night and it was a horrific death and the crucifixion and everything, and, and that is true. But you'll always hear preachers say, but Sunday's on the way. Sunday is on the way and so then Sunday comes and we rejoice in the resurrection and the power of God and the life of God that was through Jesus given unto us. But, I, you know, there's always another step. There's always something else. I shouldn't say another step, but there's another phase uh, that comes and Sunday comes and we rejoice in the resurrection. But what comes after the resurrection? What do we do then? What do we do after the resurrection? And that's what I want to kind of preach to you today because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is addressing in that whole chapter about people that didn't believe in the resurrection. And he said, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then your faith is in vain. If there's no resurrection, I can tell you, he said, then you're still in your sins. 
and your faith is in vain. You're, you're, there's no salvation. But he begins to talk about how that there is a resurrection. There was a resurrection, not only in Jesus, raising from the grave, but also we are going to be resurrected. Those that are in Christ are going to be resurrected. He talks about in the 15th chapter how that, there, that we're going to change from mortal to immortality. We're going to go from corruption to in, the incorruptible or incorruption. And we're going to have a new body. Some of us are saying, thank God. Thank God we're going to have a new body. I'm going to have a 30-inch waist, I can tell you, when I get to heaven. But I'm thankful. But he talks about the resurrection, and he talks about how that in the twinkling of an eye, God's going to call his church home. And uh, it's just going to be a blink. But we get to the end of that chapter, and it's so powerful. He says here in the Word of God in verse 57, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every victory comes through Christ. Every victory comes through Christ. And he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's what I want to preach today. Be ye therefore, be ye steadfast. You know, Paul taught us, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And then beyond that, or, or in that, therefore be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says also in Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6, he speaks almost verbatim the same thing again. And I'm going to turn there. Amen. I had the, my scriptures in the first service. I don't know what happened. But it's all right. Um, in the second, in Colossians 2, verses 6, it says this, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. He says, rooted, built up, established in faith, abounding therein in that faith, with thanksgiving. Let me just say to you today the testimony of thanksgiving in our relationship with God. In other words, the testimony to give God thanks and to praise Him earnestly, sincerely, honestly, and authentic, authentically comes from a position of victory, of steadfast victory. In other words, you're not going to praise God if you're not walking in victory. Are you hearing me? How do you know that, Pastor? Because I've watched some of you. I know my own experience in God. Whenever you're down, you don't want to praise the Lord. But I want to tell you something. From the position of victory, steadfast victory, in other words, where you're living consistently in victory, where nothing knocks you out, nothing you know causes you to step back and pause, but you're just trudging along and, and just moving and forging along with a passion for God. No matter what comes your way, you're shouting the victory and you have thanksgiving in that place of victory it's a position you're in do you understand every day we get up and we pray and you can choose that day if you want to walk in victory are you going to walk in the power of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ and you are in a position of victory are you hearing me today amen so the testimony of thanksgiving comes from the position of victory Balaam knew he couldn't curse God's people in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. 
He, he knew he couldn't curse a people that were abounding, that were established, that were steadfast. Because he said there's a shout of a king in them. There's a shout of a king because there's a confidence there. There's a steadfastness there. He looked out upon that valley and saw those tents and how they ordered them. And he marveled. He said, my God, these people have got everything put together. There's a standard of excellence with them. They're walking in victory and I can't curse what God has blessed so that devil knows when you're up and he knows when you're down so what do I do pastor you stay up amen you stay up heed Paul's exhort be you steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord it is a common thread that we read in the Bible there were people great men of God that were uh, you know, diverted or had you know a diversion in their life. The devil got them off track. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, Abraham and Isaac both, in a time of famine, went by the wayside into Egypt. It wasn't a good thing. It was a horrible thing, as a matter of fact. It didn't end well. But we know that they got diverted because the devil can get the greatest of people, the most spiritual of people, off track. He can. But you see, Jonah also, the great prophet. How do you know he was a great prophet, Pastor? Because God used him. He used him. He, was, he had a whole life, a history of being somebody that God chose to go and speak to Nineveh, which was a very, very wicked city. But he said, I'm going to send Jonah. But Jonah got sidetracked. He went the other direction. He disobeyed God. David, King David, numerous times diverted from his steadfastness. He was with Bathsheba in lust and in sin. At the end of his life, he numbered Israel, which was a, you know, operating in unbelief. We also know that he went down to Ziklag and he went to Akish and he acted like a madman. There were times that, that, that in his life he was not, you know, an example of somebody that was steadfast. He got off track. Even down to the time whenever they began to bring in the ark, he was ignorant of the word of God and, 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 and uh, retrieving the ark. And it ended up costing Uzzah his life. So what I'm saying to you is this. It is the devil's job to get us off course. And he operates in small, subtle degrees. It's like the old saying, you know, if you get a ship and you get it one degree in the wrong direction, it may not seem like a lot in the beginning, but eventually you're going to be so far away from where you were planning on going and where the compass had specifically directed you. It's also like the frog. You know, they say you throw a frog in boiling water, it'll leap out. But if you put that frog in cold water and turn the heat and it begins to come up gradually, 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 it'll sit there in that water until it boils to death because it came accustomed to being diverted and getting off track. God is saying to us today that after the resurrection, the greatest thing you could ever do is be steadfast and unmoved. Keep your face set like a flint. Keep yourself faithful. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm telling you today, the Bible says to us, it's the devil's job to get us off course. In 1 Peter 5, 8, this is what he said in the Word of God. 1 Peter 5, 8, he said, Be sober. 
Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Everybody reads that scripture and they stop. I bet you everybody in here that is a Bible uh, you know, student or a, a Bible reader can quote that scripture. The devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I can tell you he may devour you or he may not devour you. The only reason he may devour you is because you allowed him to devour you. Because you didn't stay steadfast before the Lord. You didn't stay solid and anchored and unmoved. But I can tell you, he doesn't have to devour you. We don't have to put ourselves in a position where we allow the devil to eat us up. We don't have to. I can tell you today, listen to your pastor. Everybody stops in that eighth verse where it says, The devil goes about like a roaring lion. That's why he said, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But nobody reads the ninth verse, which is, Whom resist steadfast, resist him steadfastly in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I'm reading this and I thought everything that the enemy brings is to destroy our faith. We are kept, Peter said in 1 Peter 1.5, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The devil knows if he can rob you of your faith, if he can get you in unbelief, whether through sin or discouragement or a trial or a test, then he will do it. He wants to destroy your faith in church. We cannot let him. We have to stay vigilant. We have to stay awake. We have to stay in the word. We have to be people of powerful prayer and be steadfast and unmoved because the devil wants to move you and I from our place of faithfulness amen and I read here in the latter part of that 1 Peter 1 5 he said we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be, to be revealed in the last time you know what does that say to us we're to be steadfast because the best is yet to come. You want to know why, why I want to walk with God? Why I want to stay in faith? Why I want every day His grace and His Holy Ghost to fill me? Because I want to make heaven my home. Amen. I want to make heaven my home. We've got to start this life in faith and we've got to end it in faith. We must. We must have a faith to be born again by and a faith to die by. Amen. Then that's what, what I'm preaching to you to, to, today, this morning. Amen. Get this thing out of here. I keep stepping on it. <laughs> Praise God. Bugging me. <laughs> but be steadfast because eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart or the mind of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Amen. It's, he wants to bless you here. But can you imagine? We have no idea what heaven is going to be like. We have the scripture. We have the word of God that it's going to be streets of gold, walls of jasper. Amen. A crystal sea where the sun is the light and there'll be no tears. T 
Tears will never strain, stain the streets of that city because Jesus will wipe away our tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be none of that. It'll just be in the presence of God glorious. But we only have just a small snippet in the Word of God to imagine. That's why when we sing that song, I can only imagine because we don't even have any idea what is awaiting for us, amen, that live this life in faith and arrive on streets of gold one day. Oh, heaven will be worth it all. So what kind and manner of person ought you to be? Not living a slipshod life. Amen. I always wanted a preacher to preach to me to keep me straight and narrow. Keep me right. Keep me on the straight path. Are you hearing me? Amen. I always want a preacher to preach to me, to challenge me, to encourage me, to tell me, Jonathan, stay right with God. Don't live some ungodly life, but live a life that's worth what Jesus died for. What that is, you'll never know in heaven unless you remain faithful in the faith. Praise God. Oh, but pastor, I'm saved by grace through faith. Because if you don't stay steadfast, you ain't going to have a faith. Do you know how many people have been knocked out? The devil knocked them out. They never made it back. What? Are you saying, yeah, I am. I'm not going to tiptoe around the tulips because I'm not going to stand before God and him say, you didn't preach it and tell them they needed to live right, that they needed to be faithful. It's not works. It's passion for God. Amen. It's not works. Amen. It's not a duty to me. It's a privilege. When you've been touched by God, there's something down in you that drives you. I'm going to be steadfast. Amen. I'm not going to allow the devil to knock me out by robbing me of my faith. But I'm going to do everything I must do to stay before God and remain faithful. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And his very last words before he left this earth, he said to Timothy, he said, I fought a good fight. I kept, I, I finished my course. I ran my race. I kept the faith. That was a hallmark to his epitaph. That was what was his last words. I kept the faith. And I fought every day getting up and beating that devil down because he's always trying to, to, to sidetrack me and get me to operate in unbelief. But God is saying to you today, this faith is worth fighting for. Let me tell you something, and this is going to sum up a lot of what I'm saying, but I'm not even half done, but hold on. The people that are going to go to heaven are the ones that want to go. The people that want to go to heaven are the ones that want to go. I've heard them sit and preach at people's funerals, and they acted like they were saints. I said, my goodness, I want to go up to the casket. I think smoke's coming out of it. Pastor. We saw how they lived. And then they got found some preacher in Orange County that'll tell them that everybody goes to heaven in Orange County. Look, there have been times I've had to do funerals and God said, talk to the living. Speak to the people that are there. Because I, I can't say, well, they lived a godly life. They were just faithful people. No. Man, 
I don't know where they're at, and I'm not the judge, and it's not my responsibility, but I'm going to tell you this much. I'm going to preach to those that are living. Make sure you have a faith to die by. Amen. Come on now. He said, so resist the roaring lion. Because the enemy wants to get you sidetracked. The enemy wants to destroy your faith. Resist that roaring lion steadfast in the faith. Steadfast is a challenging word. Four different Greek interpretations. Yet each one of them is without a contradiction of the other, and they complement one another. For all you Bible theologians, what does that word steadfast mean or steadfastly? It means strong or stiff or solid or sure, or stable. That's what it means. It means confirmed, receiving strength, made strong, made strong, immovable, seated, sedentary. I can tell you the only one that's going to confirm you is not a preacher. It's going to be your faith. Amen. In Christ Jesus, that he puts that verdict of peace in your heart that I'm forgiven, I'm saved. God gave me an assurance that's blessed. Amen. Oh, pastor, you're preaching a challenge to us. I hope so. Because too many people are living beneath what Jesus died on the cross for. They come in broken down, broken down, broken down. You know, I can't seem to get the victory. I said, I'm going to tell you, if you want the victory, everything you need is in Christ. Whatsoever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. That's the scripture. Almighty God. And then he says in that same passage there, and we assure our hearts before him. And when you're before him, your heart will be assured. Amen. Has there ever been times where you felt like, Pastor, that, you know, you weren't where you needed to be? Yes, more often times than I care to even admit to you, and so have you been. But when you get before the presence of God, He gives you that stirring in your heart and that faith. Amen. And that faith. Praise God and thank God for His grace. I'm not discounting that. I'm not trying to make it like you got to work your way to heaven. What I'm telling you is that you do have to have faith. Everything is built in this relationship with God and this salvation on your faith in God and the finished work of the cross. But that Greek interpretation of steadfast is strong, stiff, solid, sure, stable, confirmed, receiving strength, made strong, immovable, seated, and sedentary. Steadfast and immovable is the character of Jesus. He was driven all the way to the cross. Who for the joy, what does the Bible say? That we are to lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us and run this race with patience looking unto Jesus, the greatest example, who who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, endured the shame, despised it. I'm telling you, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He saw you and I. We were the joy, a man of salvation. I, I, I know Christ is a joy, but what I'm saying to you is that we were the apple of God's eye, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. He went all the way there for you and I. He died for us because he he said, I see people that are going to surrender their lives and come back to God. They're going to be reconciled back to God. And when we've been reconciled back, we need to stay at that place. No husband that gets reconciled or wife that gets reconciled back with their spouse. 
after they went through hell to get back in, in, in unity and healing and restoration in that marriage wants to mess around again and screw it up. Whenever you've lost almost everything, you want to do everything you can do to make sure you don't see that happen again. I mean, that's the way they should be. Some people are just, you just can't help stupid. Pastor, you shouldn't say, oh, let's just be real. It almost was in the toilet. God restored it. And it lasted six months before you did something dumb. Amen. Because uh, hypothetically, I'm not saying this is anybody in here, but it's like, you know, we agreed that the things that, that, that brought a destruction or brought damage and splintered and split our marriage, we're going to make sure that we don't allow those things back in. So whenever you made an agreement, you know what, I'm going to get rid of all those numbers off my phone. I'm going to get rid of all those apps off my phone. I'm going to get rid of all the, you know what, I'm not going to have a Facebook because everybody from my high school is looking me up. As you know, I put my best picture on my Facebook, you know. You know. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Everybody puts the filtered one, the bedazzled one from 15 years ago. And honey, you don't look like that no more. Amen. Come on. You're tore up from the floor. But that picture, that picture that you put on Facebook and Instagram is not you. So you ought to stop lying now. But people do dumb things. They go, you know what? He was doing great. And then I, one day I just happened to go by. Six months into this restoration, I thought everything was good. And then all of a sudden, he's got some stuff on his phone. Or she's doing this. or she's, I'm telling you, church, what I'm saying to you is that Carry it over into your relationship with God. He reconciled us back unto himself. Why would we ever do anything to damage that? Walk in faith. Stay steadfast. Stay consistent in your walk with God. Clean it up. My goodness. You don't want to have to go through the mess again. Amen. Jesus was steadfast. He was driven. To go to the cross. Luke 9 51 says steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. We want to be like Jesus in a lot of things. Well, I don't want to be judgmental, Pastor. I'm not going to be judgmental. I want to be a giver, you know, and I want to be a servant. But whenever we read the scriptures about how he was steadfast and how he was faithful, we make every excuse for our unfaithfulness. Why do we make the excuses for our shortcomings? Just admit it. God, I've been unfaithful to you. I've not been steadfast. I've not been faithful. Amen. I just want to be faithful to you, Lord. And I want to follow that. Because I can tell you, you'll be the first one to say, I don't judge. Okay, well, how about you be steadfast? She go, well, you know. Come on. Let's live for God. There's enough hypocrites... People out there saying they're Christian and live like the devil. They come to church on Sunday and they go to work on Monday and they hung Jesus on the way out the door. 
Amen. I remember going to work and there would be people, they would act like the devil. You know, and then when I first went to work there, my boss said, well, this one here is a Christian, this one here is a Christian. I said, praise God. I'm going to be working with Christians. And they cuss like sailors. They're out there telling dirty jokes and all this other stuff. And I'm going, okay, so, you know, I don't want to be judgmental. I'm not going to be judgmental. But my goodness, you know, they're setting this poor example, the greatest, the greatest testimony. And I'm just telling you what happened to me. I had three or four men that I worked with that said they were Christians. Their example was horrible. Okay, and I'm doing every day, I'm just like, Lord, I just want to live for you. I just, I want to make sure that I don't lose my temper on the job. And I don't want to, you know, uh, I don't want to speak something and, and live a life that would cause anybody to question my relationship with you. Because I represent you. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I had a man come up to me and he said, I'm coming to your church on Sunday. And I thought, my goodness, amen. It wasn't here, it was when I was at Living Waters, so we're talking 25 years ago. I said, praise God. So he came to church with me Sunday morning. We had kind of a church service like we did this morning. And about halfway through, him and his wife got up and walked out. I thought, well, he came. His name was Jonathan, just like my name. I saw him Sunday, uh, Monday morning, and I said, well, what would you think? He said, well, he said, whew, that's like, a, that's like, you know, high output. I said, well, that's a good way to put it. Thank you. I said, well, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming. He said, you know what? He said, I appreciate, you know, um, the invite and everything. And, and uh, I said, I have a question for you. I said, why did you come to my church? I really want you to tell me why. I said, was this one here? You know, you could have went here. You could have went there. I really wanted to know. And he said, you know what, Jonathan? He said, let me tell you. He said, I'm out there in that back alley with all the guys I work with. And we read, at that time, we didn't have phones, okay? He said, we're all looking at the same dirty magazines. We're smoking the same stuff, telling the same jokes, all of these things. And he said, but you, I've never seen you do that. I've watched you. And he said, if I'm going to serve God, he said, I want to serve God and be the real deal. And I'm not telling you that to say, look at me. I'm here, I'm come here to tell you this, that people are watching our life. So many lives depend on what we do. And you have no idea who's watching you. And it's not even just the people you're working with. It is the children around about you that are watching you. Amen. They're paying attention to you, grandma and grandpa. They're paying attention to your mom and dad. They're paying attention to your uncle and auntie. They're watching your life. Amen. And, and, and we're getting back into this real quick here. But I want you to know something that a lot of times we say, I want to be steadfast, Pastor, but I seem to fail. I seem to make a lot of mistakes. I want you to know I'm going to give you some scripture today and some thoughts to ponder so that you will, will, will have something to fall back on and to encourage you to stay steadfast and unmoved. Number one is 1 Corinthians 15 and 2. And this is what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 2. He says, I'll start with verse 1. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand by which also you are saved if 
you keep in memory what I have preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. We must keep in memory ever before us what's been preached to us. Keep in memory what we've read from the Word, what we know in our experiences. I can remember times I've went back over my life whenever I, I was going through a low moment and I just felt like, Lord, I just don't have the strength to make another step. I just don't have the faith. I just And he said, Jonathan, go back and begin to remind yourself and pray and thank me for the times from the very beginning when I first met you, when I first drew you, when I first saved you. And he takes me me back to that time, the people that poured into me, the Frank and the Judy Justices, the Debbie Calvies, the Martha Millers, all of these people in the church, people that I worked with, you know, the people that were in my life, and I'm thanking them, and I said, Lord, I thank you for my pastor that preached to me. I thank you for the word that was preached, the people that prayed me through in an old-fashioned altar, the people that spoke life into me, the people that encouraged me, and I began to thank him. Lord, I thank you for my great Grandma Jeannie, I thank you, Lord, for, you know, Sandy Moffat. I thank you for all the men and women in the church all my life that begin to pour into me. And I'm remembering what you did in my life through their ministries. And I'm going to keep in memory what you did and not forget it. What a testimony they were. So I can tell you, you got to keep in memory. Keep in memory. The things that God has done. Hebrews 3.14 he said, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Paul remembered every time that he kept the faith and God kept him. Y'all with me this morning? This was said after they were warned not to depart from the living God. Or to get caught in deceitfulness and sin. You know, and I, I want to read that scripture to you. We will get to lunch here in just a little bit, but hang on. Amen. He said, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. But you always got to read the scriptures before and oftentimes after. Verse 12, he said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, which is called today, lest any one of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He was speaking to them and saying that the possibility for you to be led aside in unbelief and depart from the living God or find yourself hardened because of sin, because sin has a way of hardening your heart. If the very act of God out of Ezekiel was for God to take his spirit and soften a hardened heart and make it like flesh, then a lot of times, well, you'll see it, people will get caught up in things and their heart becomes hardened. I've watched people become hardened in church. I can tell you it takes the power of God to soften them again. But thank God he can and he does. Praise God. But we're partakers of Christ if we hold that beginning of our confidence. Confidence. In verse 6, he said, but Christ is our son. I'm talking Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast 
the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. I love that scripture because to hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of our hope firm unto the end is a confidence in prayer. It's a confidence that I know in whom I have believed. Let me give you, you Bible scholars this morning, you people that are here that know your Bible and you're wanting to grow and you're wanting to get something to, to take home, to chew on and to dwell on. Let me give you a deep truth. The Greek word for confidence is parisia. It's the freedom of speech. It's the liberty of access to God. And when I say freedom of speech, I'm not talking about your freedom to say whatever you want to say. I'm talking about the power to speak for God freely. It's the power of God to speak to the mountain and it has to be removed. It's the power of God and the boldness, the confidence you have to speak the word of God. And it's powerful. The boldness to approach God. The boldness to speak with power. This is the real footing or position of authority. And why? Because there is confidence. There is no sin or disobedience in my life that separates me from an open heaven. There have been times I couldn't get down and pray because I knew I had to ask God to forgive me and clean some things up first. Have you ever been there where you went to pray and you said, I can't pray until I repent first? I got to get right first. Or you've had people that have said, would you pray for me? And you're stopping and you're thinking, you know what? I need to pray through myself first. I need, come on now. But we need to be ready and prepared always. We need to be ready and prepared always. We need to be prayed up, instant in season, out of season, every season. We need to be ready no matter what. Amen. We had two guys that came, me and Brother Adrian, were working on that new, uh, that new sound booth back here. That's what it is. It's not a baptistry. It's not a time. I'm out. You mean if I miss the Sunday before I got to sit in there? No. No. It's going to be our new sound booth where the Facebook and the PowerPoint and the, the board is all going to be in there and where I can see Jeremy because when you all stand up and I'm on the platform here sitting down, I can't see him and he can't see me and we're the tallest people in the building besides Tom Kane's. We were working on that. Adrian was working. I was talking. Carried the lumber. He's the brains. I'm the brawn. These two guys come out selling candy for a men's home. They come up. This guy's talking a mile a minute, you know, all the cliches, you know, broke, busted, disgusted, and all this, and God delivered me and set me free and all these things. It was awesome. He's sharing with me about, uh, you know, the, the, what God has done in his life and what God's done and how he's in this home and all of these things. And, and as I'm sitting here listening to them, they said, would you, would you pray? Would you pray over us? You know, they prayed for me. I said, pray for me. And then they said, would you pray for us? And I said, yes. And so I just, I began to lay my hands on them. We just began to pray. I felt the Spirit of God come upon me. I felt the Spirit of God come upon me. I said, oh, my goodness, amen. You want to know why? Because I woke up in the morning and I saw the face of God. 
I got plugged in. I got what I needed, my daily bread. I got my daily dose of what I needed of the Holy Ghost. And so here I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying with them. And the Spirit of God, we had a prayer meeting right out there in front of the front door. You know, we're praying. I said, you thought you came by to sell candy to me, but we've come to encourage one another. Amen. We've come to speak life into one another. And before you know it, we're all crying out there. Amen. And the one guy said, man, I feel like Popeye. I feel like I just got some spinach. Amen. I just feel so strengthened. I feel so encouraged. And I said, I do too. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to connect. Amen. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst. He's there. There's a confidence, a confidence in prayer, a confidence to speak. The, the disciples had a boldness, and they said they're ignorant and unlearned men, but we recognize something. They've been with Jesus, and when you've been with Jesus, you got a boldness. You have a confidence. When you're steadfast in the Lord, there's a boldness in prayer. You have to have that, or you will fall by the wayside because every day your prayer life connected to God that is absolutely authentic and powerful is going to be your lifeline to give Give you a fresh touch from God. That's where you get your fresh oil. That's where you get your fresh touch. That's where you get what you need from God. And the word of God. I'm not discounting that. But the boldness to speak. The boldness to approach God. Nothing's between my soul and my Savior. There's nothing in my life that I know of. It's just I'm right with God and I've got a power and a confidence in God. And a liberty and a freedom. Remember this, God anoints what is holy. He comes upon what is holy. We all have free access to the blood of Jesus. We can all come boldly before the throne of grace. But oftentimes we're paralyzed and powerless and impotent to pray in faith because we have no confidence when sin is in the way. Some people say, I prayed and God didn't answer. I said, maybe you need to repent of some things. Maybe you need to deal with some things. Unrepented sin or a heart that's decided to disobey or do nothing is not going to receive anything from God. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Success in the steadfastness demands a confidence in prayer. Because that's where strength and power in the Holy Ghost empowers you. And that's where your worship is empowered and motivating. And it even becomes a blessing to you. Well, I'm not worshiping myself. I didn't say that. I said, as you worship God, you receive the blessing too. As you're praising God and you begin to cry weeping, you're like, man, I'm here in the presence of God. And, and I, I'm blessed. Amen. And I'm, some of you say, I'm not even a very good singer. Maybe I can't, you know, sing at all. Amen. Maybe I can't call hogs to supper. I don't know. But I know this much that I'm singing and God says that he made canaries, amen, to sing and make a joyful noise. But crows, they sing too. It ain't very pleasant, but they sing. But nonetheless, you may be a crow or a canary. Nonetheless, you're worshiping God and it blesses you as you begin to praise him. Because in his presence is fullness of joy, is liberty in his presence. I love it. I love it. And I close with the steadfastness is driven by a confidence and a hope 
that's set before us, the anchor of our soul. That's what he said in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. That hope is my anchor of my soul that's sure and steadfast. Jesus is the anchor that holds. He's seated in sedentary and immovable at the right hand of the Father. The only time I ever read where he stood up from the throne is when Stephen was stoned. And he was welcoming him home. Amen. Because I can tell you, when he's seated at that place of authority, God doesn't have to, Jesus doesn't have to do anything. He said, with the finger of God upon this earth, I cast out devils. Amen. I believe with the look of God, devils are cast out. (laughs) Amen. The word of God. But as I'm, as I'm reading this and as I'm studying this, our hope, and our, our hope is in our anchor of our soul that's sure and steadfast. And Christ is sure and steadfast, seated. He's sedentary. He's immovable at the right hand of the Father. Does it not say that in Hebrews, that he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints? But he's seated at the right hand of the Father, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Your sin nor the devil is moving him from his seated place. But I can tell you, the enemy can get in the way of you connecting and going boldly before the throne of grace. Because there's people that will not approach God because there's things that are keeping them from approaching God. Kevin said it great, on, perfect on Thursday when he spoke. He said, there's people, there was a man that said nothing separates us from God. I said, he's not, he's, he's, that, is, that is not true. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, he said, he said, uh, is my arm shortened that it cannot reach out and touch you? No. Or my ear deaf that I cannot hear you? He said, but your sins have separated you from your God. That's why we needed a Savior. Because we're separated from God. Jesus bridged that gap so that we have an open heaven. That's what I'm preaching to you. We have to stay steadfast in that. Once you get on that holy highway and you get to pedaling, amen, and you're moving. I say pedaling because it's not working, but you're moving in God. Don't stop. Amen. Don't stop. Don't stop. Continue on. What moves is us from our steadfastness focus. But don't let the enemy win. If you fell, get up. If If your head's down, look up. Get up. I'm going to tell you, there's a blessing. The Lord told me to do this. I'm going to do it. There's a blessing that comes if we'll just stay steadfast. I was maybe 10 years old, 10 years old. You got to understand something. I'm going to share this. It's not going to take a lot of time, I promise you. And I'll close. But I come from a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was three. My dad was a preacher, a pastor that lived here in La Habra and pastored a church. I lived in Missouri my whole life till I was 18. But at 10 years old, I didn't really get to see my dad very much at all my whole life. But at 10 years old, my mom said, this Saturday, your dad's coming to pick you kids up and take you to Six Flags or wherever we were going to go. We had a, a day or two with him, and then he'd come back to California. I didn't see him very much. But I loved loved my dad, but I loved my dad, and I always wanted to see my dad. I always, anytime he would come into town, which wasn't very often, I was always awaiting, anticipating him to come. 
My mom would tell us, when he gets here, he'll knock on the door. You don't have to stand there in front of the door. That's how anticipating, anticipated to see him and anxious and excited to see my dad. Well, my mom said, your dad's coming. We've got that big tournament down at the ball field. My parents, my mom and my stepdad ran the Little League. They didn't just coach, they ran it. We had uniforms and baseballs and bases, helmets. Our garage was full of all of that stuff, uniforms, tubs and tubs and tubs and barrels of uniforms and bases and first, uh, you know, first uh, home plates and pitcher's mounds and everything you can imagine. They ran that little league. They were responsible for it. All the teams that came in, setting up the tournament, setting up. You get the idea. They were over it. We had the big tournament that day of the year where they had everything, the barbecue, they had all the raffle, they had the everything, the fanfare, the music, everything you can imagine. And she said, your dad's coming. We got there at 6.45 in the morning. And I went out to the edge of that street and I stood on the corner of Old M Highway and Kenef Road and I stood there cars going by. My parents came out. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm standing here waiting for my dad. I'm steadfastly going to stand here. My mom, I think she told me, you're not going to do that. She made me leave. As soon as she got out of earshot, I was back up there again. My sister come out. What are you doing? You look like an idiot out here. I said, I'm waiting for my dad. He'll come, Jonathan. I said, I know, but I said, when he comes down that road, I don't want to miss him. You don't understand. I've waited two or three years to see him. Here I am. I'm waiting for my dad. Here goes another car, another car. Seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. I stood there. I didn't move. I stood there. My brother comes, John, they're eating lunch. They're this, they're that. They're running a raffle. I said, I don't care. I'm staying here. Because when that man comes down that road, I said, he's going to see me first. I'm steadfastly standing here, and I'm not moving from this place. You understand me? I'm standing right here. God reminded me. He said, remember, it was about 12 o'clock, just a little bit after noon, 12, 15. And here I am, car after car, car after car. I knew what my dad drove. He had a powder blue Mercury marquee. It was as big as this room. I mean, the hood was as far as you could imagine, and the trunk was just as long. Amen. Powder blue, had them flip-up headlights. I remember it. We're talking the 70s here, folks, okay? So I knew he's coming down the road, and I'm standing there all day long. And I saw about a half a mile down, I saw that powder blue car coming. Oh, my God. I'm standing there. It may not stir you, but it stirs me to this day to remember him coming down that road. Here he come. 
down that road and he had that blinker on in that powder blue mercury. Amen. I saw him and I'm waving. I'm waving. I'm shouting, Dad, Dad, Dad. I'm shouting, Dad, Dad. Woo. My dad pulled up. He rolled that window down. He said, Son, what are you doing out here? I said, I'm waiting for you. He said, Get in this car. I got in that poor door. Amen. I'm just shouting the praise. I said, Dad, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, son, it's so good to see you. He said, I'm so glad to see you. He said, I love you. Oh, I missed you. I'm telling you, I'm driving by with my dad, and everybody's looking at me, and I'm waving. Amen. As I'm in the car. I'm waving. I'm waving to my cousins. I'm waving to my mom. I'm waving to my stepdad. I'm waving to my brothers and sisters. See, I'm in the car. I steadfastly waited and I got a blessing nobody got. Steadfast. (laughs) Unmoved. Jesus is coming back for his church. Will you be steadfast and unmoved or will you be in the world messing around and miss the trumpet of God if you didn't hear anything else I said I hope in my closing that you get this today that he's coming back for a people that are looking up for the redemption that draws an eye he's looking amen for a people the bridegroom came and the only ones that made it with that bridegroom were the five that had oil they were wise virgins they had oil in their lamps amen they had oil in their lamps people that are going to heaven want to go to heaven people that want to be in that rapture are waiting and looking and they're living a life steadfast before him faithful before God because they want to make heaven their home. I don't want to miss that trumpet. I don't want to miss when Christ calls his church home. God calls his church home. Oh, the Lord never let me forget that. And I hope you don't forget it. Oh, hallelujah. What a savior. Is what you're living for worth what Jesus died for? Think about that. He gave everything for you. Are you giving everything to him back? We sing that song. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. But I said, Lord, I will live the rest of my life trying. I can't pay it back. But I'm going to live the rest of my life trying. I just want to love you. I just want to be steadfast, unmoved. You gave me life. I want to give you my everything. Take up your cross and follow him. Oh, would you bow your heads in prayer? Would you bow your heads in prayer? Thank God. What a privilege. What a blessing. Father, today. As we come to this close, I know, Lord, we got a lot of things going on this afternoon. But before we leave, if there's somebody here, Lord, this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, I'm asking you to draw them by your Spirit.